0: This is in my head. Uh, why don't you move on? This is the gospel that we all need, and uh, especially, especially uh, today, in this day and age, we need to hear, hear the message that uh, we're coming to right now in, in Ephesians, and that is this, where he says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give any opportunity to the devil to work. Now, we don't often like to talk about him. Um, we like to stay on the you know us Jesus side, uh, and uh, we have a nice positive approach here. But we also we have to recognize that there is a demonic side. Now we believe that at Halloween, but we don't necessarily believe it when sometimes when we come to Scripture. But as we've been going through this. Today, when he says, don't give this devil a foothold, don't give him a place in your life, it comes right after he's telling us as Christians to begin to clothe yourselves with God's righteousness, true righteousness, and God's true holiness. And as we begin to do that, there is going to come an onslaught to discourage you from that, to tell you that you that's impossible for you, why, why don't you just give up? And so if it's in Scripture, it, it actually is for all of us. So all of us, as we, as we come and we say, well, I do want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I, I, I recognize that he, He's loved me. I, I've come to a place of believing in Him, if you have, that you know He's your Lord and you know He's, no, you know he's your Savior. You've come to that place we have to recognize that there's going to be a tremendous warfare, a tremendous battle to get us to give that up, to not believe that there is a a promised land for us, a a future for us, freedom for us, hope for us, fullness for us. And as we get closer to the end, to when Jesus, we believe that he's Christ, our coming king, closer to the time when he's going to come back And where we're going to be taken up with him, the dead in Christ first, and we're going to reign with him for a thousand years, prior to all that, there is going to be a continual increase of onslaught to try to discourage us from our Christian faith. And with media and with satellite and with our apps and our phones, our tablets, we are bombarded with news that can give us, uh, take away our hope, discourage us, try to stop us from building up our faith in one another, try to stop us believing that God can actually do a miracle in Minot and start drawing people into the kingdom, drawing people into a relationship, trying to draw us away from that. Look at what he says in Ephesians here, that we're not gonna be like children We're going to grow up in him. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. That's where this newness has to come, inside your mind, inside your soul. God is a spirit spiritual being that will come in he's, and he's going to renew you and change you inside and so you have to take off the old thoughts the old way of life and then be made new and then put on the new self which he says here it's created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness truthfulness holiness holiness is is like we use the same word for healthy physical health the same word is used for holiness to be healthy spiritually healthy physically healthy sp- healthy spiritually and physically and then he ver- verse uh, 25 he says therefore each of you must put off falsehood this is what we have to start doing now if the things that we've got to take off is falsehood and then speak truthfully truthfully to his neighbor for we all members of one body we are a family the church is a family Whether." Whether we're here in Minot, all across Minot, across the world, when we come to Christ, we're all one body. We're one body. Doesn't matter what our color is, doesn't matter what our height is, doesn't matter what our nationality is. We're all one body and we're all members of one another. And when one member hurts, we all hurt. And then last week we looked at In Your Anger, do not sin. And do, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry get on your bed, deal with it. Say, I'm not going to go to bed, sleep angry. I'm not going to let the sun go down angry. I'm going to forgive as the Lord forgave me. And you've got to deal with it. Well, you all know and I know the onslaught that comes when you're lying on your bed and you're angry at somebody or somebody's upset you, or insulted you, provoked you, and, and here you hear that uh, I'm supposed to get rid of this before I go to sleep. And last week, we talked about the town of 10 sleep, you know. It takes 10 sleeps to get to a town. And I asked you a question. How many sleeps have you had going to sleep with anger in your soul towards somebody? When he says, don't even let the sun go down, get it dealt with. Well, the enemy's going to come and say, oh, don't do that. No, they really meant it, you know. They, right? If you had that in your head and you just can't get rid of it and it torments you, because he's a tormentor, he's a liar, the devil is. And then verse 27 today, and do not, let, do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. Anger is the one place, that's the easiest place for God to enter in. When we're angry, we lose control. We don't have self-control. And we open the door to, for the devil to come in and just wallop us. Convince us that we're right. The other folks are wrong. And... and, and and, and not, not, not let it go. And we're told here now to give place to the devil. Don't give him an opportunity. Now, the way this has been described by some commentators is it's not necessarily just the devil as we think of him. You know, the serpent that came into the garden and d- deceived Adam and Eve. But it's like talebearers, whisperers, and backbiters. People will come and tell you a tale with, when they don't really know the facts. They know enough. They, 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 they've, they've heard a tale, and they come and tell you the tale, but it's not supported by facts. Without mentioning any, not names here, but names in other places, I've had folks come to me with tale bearers, and I've said in the days of the telephone, when, you know, well, let's call them. And then discuss the tale that I've just been told and ask the question, is it true? In the presence of the person that's telling me the tale. I want to tell you something, that has a way of stopping the tale bearer. Or you find out the fact, oh, it's really like that, yeah, oh, well, we're totally misunderstood. What if I'd have taken it? What if I'd have received it? What if I would have given him the, the foothold into my life, and then I'd have had an attitude towards the person that I just heard a tale about that doesn't have any facts to it. That goes on all the time, doesn't it? It goes on at work, it goes on in family, it goes on in the church where it should not be going on. But God knew that. He knows what we're like. He knows. He knows that as we start to clothe ourselves with true righteousness and true holiness, that's complete spiritual health, we're going to and then he says to put away anger, well, I want to I, I put on holiness, I want to put on righteousness, but I can't let that go, and then it, wallop here comes the foothold into your life. Don't even open your ear to the talebearer, the slanderer. comes to you with accusations against your brothers or your sisters don't even entertain it now you might say well why isn't anybody coming to tell me tales because you're not entertaining it and if somebody's coming to tell you a tale all the time then you're entertaining it don't you don't we all do that we try and find someone that's going to agree with us and I'm not going to come to somebody that well uh, I guess it's true. I, I, I'm going to also check out, like, oh, I, wanna, I think they'll be on my side. I can go talk to them about it. But I'm not going to go over here and talk because I think they'll challenge me. <laughs> and there's more of us that would be, be uh, so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, so discerning the fact that God wants the whole church healthy, the, the whole body of Christ with righteousness, will make us more careful about what we're hearing and what we're willing to receive, what we won't ask questions about and check. But anger opens the door to the devil. Anger provides an opportunity for the devil to work. He is the accuser of the brethren and he's the father of lies. Don't give him a foothold. Well, that's all good, well and done. Well, let's pray and ask God. I want us to stop and pray right now because I believe in the Old Testament, God gives us a story In Nehemiah that will help us understand how we stop the devil from having a foothold in our life and it helps us to see that there is a constant attack by the accuser and by the naysayers to stop the work of righteousness and holiness being fulfilled in our lives. So Father in the name of Jesus I pray that this not just this story the reality the real the real history of nehemiah in the bible and how this will help us understand how we have victory in this and not give this devil a foothold a toehold a place because we are we want to be clothed with true righteousness and holiness we want to be the, a church a, a person in christ that people go whoa i want what they have and so lord help us to see it because we got to have victory in this this is not written for us to be living in defeat. It's written for us to be walking in victory. So, Father, help us as we look into this uh, Nehemiah and what his life, uh, un- how his life unfolded here. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know where to turn next. I want you to go to Nehemiah in the Old Testament. I want you to see this story. I would typically go through this and like, just like, I've, like we've been going through Ephesians. For today, we're going to do a brush stroke through here with the with hope that he will show, you, the Lord will show us how we can live in victory, how we can be clothed in true righteousness, true holiness, and not give the devil a foothold who is constantly trying to slip his shoe into your life. So, Nehemiah. The story of Nehemiah is is that he gets a note in Nehemiah chapter 1. He has uh, some folks come. He's a cupbearer to a king. Uh, he lives a long ways away from Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is his home. And uh, Nehemiah comes. This is the word of Nehemiah. He says in, the, in Nehemiah chapter 1 that in the month of Kislev, that is either November or December. Now, I want you to note that that this is about November or December when Nehemiah gets this message. And he says, he's in the citadel of Susa, and then Hanani, one of, one of my brothers, he says, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. It's kind of like asking a question if you, were, if you got moved away, transferred out in the military, and got moved away over to South Korea, and somebody come to visit, and you'd, what would you say? Hey, how's my Minot? If, and if you were part of this church, you, you, and you've been, been transferred over there, you say, how's Calvary Alliance doing? And then you start thinking of the different faces that you know. You'd want to know about them, don't you? You know, I, I used to call my father every Sunday on, on, uh, on, my, on my computer and have a talk with him. He always told me how the weather was. You know, and then he'd tell me how Brian, my brother, was doing. O'Brien came down Saturday, you know. And I would hear that, and, and, and it would help me uh, understand and have a picture of my home and my family back there in Wales. So he's questioning them. And then they said to me, he said, verse, verse 3, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And then here's his response. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then he goes into his prayer. Now, for the sake of today, I would would encourage you to, to read his prayer, to read what he prays. He talks to God. He talks to God about God's promises and about his people. And, 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 he, and he goes through this prayer and he's fasting and he's praying. And then he, he finishes out here, verse 10. He says, they're, they're your servants, Lord. He's telling God who these people are. It'd be like if when we start to pray on Wednesday night for, for our church. You know, we told you this this last few weeks. We've, we've, we've got all your names. Now there's some new folks that, that just walked in here. We didn't have your names this week, but there's new names, names on 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 the every Wednesday night where all of you are prayed for. By name. That's the church. And so, here he's saying that um, to God he says, "Look, these people in Jerusalem, where the walls broken down and it's in ruin and they're in disgrace, they're your people." who you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. This this man he, in the sense of having to go toward the king and ask the king's permission, can he go to Jerusalem to take care of this problem that was going on where his people were in disgrace and the wall was knocked down? And God gave him the favor. But you notice here in chapter 2 starts out in the month of Nisan. Now back in the beginning, it was the month of Kislev, which is November, December. Now you go to March or April which is Nisan. So it's possible that this time when when this, this is this is this is crucial here for your faith. When his heart was broken for his people was possibly let's say it was early November like like we are now. And let's say it was the end of April. That's actually about 6 months. But let's say it's 5 So for five months, his heart's been broken. He's been fasting. He's been praying. His heart's broken for his people. And he's asking God to intervene and give him favor with this king that he's serving. He wants to go and help. The king then, he comes before the king. The king asks him, what can I do? What do you want? You look sick. You know, and he's not supposed to look sick in front of the king. You're supposed to smile. "Here's here's Here's your wine. Here's your food. He couldn't contain it. He'd been praying and broken. Why? Because of disgrace, because of ruin. Because they were under attack, under oppression. The long sto- the story here is his. He obviously gets the king, go, he gives him release. He also gives him a letter to protect him on the way back to Jerusalem. He also gives him permission to get all the supplies he needs to do the work of rebuilding back in Jerusalem. And he heads out to Jerusalem. And it's quite a journey there. But he gets there. So look down at verse, verse, um, verse 8 of chapter 2. So he gets a letter so he can go to the king's forest so he'll get timber and beams. And right there in the middle of that, sentence is, and because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. Prayer. Prayer is critical to defeat, to stop the devil getting a foothold in your life, to stop the devil getting a a, a toehold in in the church. And so then he goes goes on and then look at verse 10. When Sanballat, now these are some strange names, but when Sanballat the the Horonite, and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. These were the negative discouragers. Sanballat, you know what the name Sanballat means? Some have said it means like a secret bush or an enemy. Now, imagine having a name like that, enemy. And Tobiah actually means the goodness of God. So here's two men working together. One's named Enemy, and one's named the goodness of God. Can you distinguish? You see how this works? I think their names are significant. There. They come and they they're they're upset. Listen, people trying to clothe themselves with holiness and righteousness. They're trying to get rid of anger. They're trying to deal with it. They're, they're, trying to, they're, they're trying to be truthful with one another. The old enemy comes in and slides in there like the serpent he is. He's, he's disturbed. It's, 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 it's going to happen now. We're going we're to be in trouble. We can't let it happen. But Nehemiah still goes. He goes and he... And he he, he looks over Jerusalem. He sees all the brokenness now physically that he's heard about, that he's prayed about, and now he's there and he's observing it. But he's got an enemy that wants to discourage him and destroy him. But Nehemiah calls out. He says, Let us, verse 17, right in the middle there, he says, Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we'll no longer be in disgrace. And he also tells the people about the gracious hand of God upon him and what the king had said to him. And they all replied, all the people he was talking to there in Jerusalem, Jerusalem said, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Listen, when a church, when a church gets going, when a church starts to, people come into Christ, you're coming to Christ. All of you have a story, a journey of coming to Christ. I've heard some of your stories. They're powerful stories. And then as you come in to Christ, it's, it's time to build up your faith. It's time to do the things that we were told in Ephesians to do. And as we start to do that, there's an enemy that wants, doesn't want you to do that. And so the enemy in, in verse 10 was Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah. There was two people. Now when they decided to start the work, verse 19 says this. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arab heard about it. Now you've got another addition to this, this work of the enemy. Are you still with me on this? I like this stuff. I I mean, I'm into it. And you can probably tell, right? And you're going, oh, come on. (laughs) You know, I'm trying to get you this picture that It builds that when you start to have victory and you think, well, I'm doing all right now. I'm, I'm, I'm shutting that enemy down. He's going to bring more onslaught. And the closer we get to the end of time, the end before Christ comes, it's going to get more and more and more and more and heavier and heavier and heavier. And we're going to have to be so solid in our faith in order to withstand his onslaught. Because this is, this, this is just the second part. It's going to get worse in Nehemiah. It's going to get a, more of an enemy coming against you but Nehemiah the key here one of the keys here is he spent six months and I'm saying six months we can say four months if you like in prayer and fasting he has a great foundation and we need to have that kind of foundation so here they are now with Sanballat Tobiah and Geshem when they heard about it what did they do they mocked and ridiculed us What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And this is Nehemiah's answer. I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. When you come to Christ, you're a different, you're a new creature, you're a new person. When you give your life to Christ, if you were like me and hanging out in the bar and you were Drinking and partying and dancing and carrying on. When you turn to Christ and your life changes, your friends are going to come and say, Are you crazy? Why don't you come back out with us? What do you mean you're giving up that and giving up the other? Why are you doing that? And, and I remember leading a, a young couple to Christ. Pauline and I did... In our mobile home in Montana, we led a young couple, and I have to confess to you that I pressured them into praying the prayer to receive Jesus. It was, it was like, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to let them go until they prayed this prayer to receive Jesus, which they ended up praying a prayer to receive Jesus. We met them a few weeks later, as I remember it, and they had gone back home, and they told their parents what they did, and they told their family what they did. And uh, they decided that they weren't going to follow Christ because their family th- told them that they were getting caught up in a cult. Now that was me pushing it. I really believed that if the well, it could have been the enemy, but I, I, I think I pushed. That was my interpretation. But if I didn't push, the enemy sure came in and stole them back. The voices of their parents to say you. You're gonna go start going to church now. You're gonna live this life now. And and that and that if you haven't had to make that decision, if you've never been in that position. You know, maybe all your family were churchgoers. I don't know, but a lot of people aren't. And when they give their lives to Christ, this is another thing for us. If we want people to come in here and receive Jesus and to grow in Christ, they're gonna have family and friends telling, "What are you doing in there? Are you nuts?" And they'll get their friends together and come over and tell you. But they get on with the wall. They got on with the wall. And they all then started to work together as families, just like the body of Christ works together to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to stand with one another. And that's what they did in, in Nehemiah's time. If you want to jump over to Nehemiah chapter 4, we'll, we'll, we'll close out with this chapter here. But here in chapter 4, they're well on the way. And now verse 1 of chapter 4 says, when Samballot, here he is again, heard that we are rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly, now he's incensed. And he ridiculed the Jews. And now what's he doing here? Verse 2, it says, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, so now he's got his associates And he's got a whole army from Samaria there. And he's going to ridicule these Jews. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Are you going to turn your life around? Is your life going to change? Don't you know what your life has been like? Don't you know what you're like at work? Don't you know that you just blow up and explode? Don't you know that you've been cussing and that's what you're known as? Don't you know that you're just drinking on the side? Don't you know that you're doing this? It all comes. It comes like swarming over you. And if you're angry, the devil can slide in. That's when he gets his foothold into your life. And he's very good at it. So he goes on. So then Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side. Oh, I like what he's doing. Oh, I'm with, I'm with, I'm with my friend, Sanballat. Oh, yeah, and I'm Tobiah. I, I agree with what he just said to all you Sumerians and, and all you associates. I'm right with you, man. What if they are building? If even a fox climbed on it, he would break down their wall of stone. So let's not worry about it. It ain't going to go nowhere. You're going to fail. What you're building is going to fall apart. You think you're going to live a righteous life? Never. You hear it. Don't tell me you don't hear it. I hear it. You think you're doing uh, preaching in that pulpit? What do you think you're doing pastoring a church? Who do you think you are? Well, I'm nobody other than a child of God, who's been saved by grace, and I've been called to preach the gospel. And I understand the attack because I have it on me. And so he says, The answer here again. Can you pray this prayer? Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. See, don't be angry. Be angry, but don't sin and leave room for the wrath of God. Give this situation, if the is coming against you, give them to God. He says here, do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they they have thrown insults in the face of the builders, but look at what they kept on doing. They rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just gonna we're going <laughs> we're getting to the close. I'm telling you. But you have got to see this. It's a constant onslaught, and and Paul's trying to tell these Ephesians that when you start to clothe yourselves and you start to take off and put on and you start to put away lying and you start to tell truth to one another, you are going to have to be ready for an onslaught. And if you live with anger, the devil's going to get a foothold and you are going to be miserable. So you've got to stay strong. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod. It just keeps getting more and more enemy. When they heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry, very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But here's the response, but we prayed to our God and posted to God day and night. Man, you get to the end of Ephesians chapter 6, you've got that full armor of God that you're called to put on. We're going to need it in the end times, I'm telling you. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is given out and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. They got discouraged. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Oh, we're discouraged now. And then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. That's how he works. Constant, constant barrage in your life. But he, doesn't, he does not go down the response of the people. He stations people. Gives him swords in one hand, a trowel in the other. I think it was the great Spurgeon, he wrote a sermon called The Sword and the Trowel. A sword in one hand to fight off the enemy and a trowel in the other to lay the bricks. And that's how we were to live our life, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God in our hand while we do the labor of the work of the Lord. And then he says, After I looked over things, verse 14, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people, don't you be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. I'm going to stop there in, 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 in the reading of the scripture, but just to come back to say that when Paul's writing to these Ephesians and he says, when you start clothing yourself with true righteousness and true holiness, you start taking off the old and you start being renewed in the spirit of your mind, putting on new, when you start doing that, you've got a devil that's going to come. you got an enemy that's going to come, and he is going to get. You, if you remain angry... But if you can go to sleep, if you can get on your bed and you can you can go ahead and deal with your anger, if you can say, Lord, I, I know I shouldn't have this in my spirit. I know it needs to go. Oh, Lord, help me. The Holy Spirit can come and in your weakness, He is going to be made strong. And you'll find a way through the Holy Spirit as you ponder on what Christ, is, how He's forgiven you. You'll be able to forgive others as He's forgiven you. And you won't live with that anger and then that will help you not give this devil a foothold. In fact, the foothold that, that for that devil will be your heel on his head saying, you have no authority in my life and you are not going to have any more victory in my life because I'm living for Jesus and I'm not going to live angry. Because I want holiness and I want righteousness. And we as a church, we as el- the leaders of this church, we as your prayer ministry on Wednesday night, are going to be like Nehemiah, and we're going to break our hearts before God, pour out our hearts before Him, seek Him, and, 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 and beg Him and say, God, these are your people that you gave your life for, and they've given their lives to you. Now redeem them from those places where they're angry, and they've given the devil a foothold. So if that is you, as we pray for you, You're going to find it out when you're laying on your bed at night. You're going to find victory. Because the foundation is prayer. Because prayer to God brings God into the situation. And God is always victorious. And the devil is already defeated because of the cross. Claim that. Tell him that. Tell the devil that. My life lies waste. I'm struggling, you might say. Well, give it to Jesus, and he'll come in and give you life. Will you do that? Have you given your life to Christ? Sometimes they say, why are you asking all this? You ask us every week. Because you never know, there might be one person that says, no, I haven't asked him into my life. So I pray that today would be the day you do that. Your adversary is going to strive to influence your mind. He's going to strive to irritate your spirit. And the answer is to watch and pray so that he might not get any place in you, in your life. No control over you. Don't even open your ear to the talebearer, the slanderer. Don't even listen. The one who comes with accusations against your brothers and your sisters or with with supposing something is true without having any evidence of it, pick up the phone maybe and call that person. Say, is this true? You'll shut that devil down in a heartbeat. Anger always opens the door to the devil and we all struggle with it. it. Anger always provides an opportunity for the devil to work because he's the accuser of the brethren, and he's the father of lies, but he's defeated because of the cross. That is a hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for us that whatever happens, that we will conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, because that gospel is the gospel of Christ. Father, I pray that your word would not return void today, that your Holy Spirit can take it and use it and cause us to get on our knees and pray, cause us to have that foundation of prayer and victory. And every time there's a barrage in our life, in a darkness of our own privacy, that we can re- remember and stand on the promises that we received when we were on our knees, that you are our Lord and as the as the end as we know that the the end times are, it's close and it's going to get more frightening disturbing more fires and volcanoes and wars and rumors of wars the enemy's going to rise up and try to destroy us first personally then corporately. So, Father, we just tell him he's done. He's defeated. He's dead. He has no power over us because we are submitted to the power of the cross. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.